It's Wednesday the 27th of January. Welcome to our afternoon sport deep dive. I'm Tim Gilbert and I'm joined by my co-host Shane Lee who is says to me today he's only going to eat Brussels sprouts and Alf Alpha after a big Australia day. <laughs> what a fantastic day, mate. I'm sunburnt. I'm exhausted from watching cricket, but uh, I'm in good spirits, mate. Plenty to talk about today. Yeah, we'll break down all that cricket, and they're going to get back to three games of rugby league in a day. I think a lot of people will like that if they can pull it off. Dory Kadahi, the owner of the Illawarra Hawks, fascinating character, joins us today, as does another very fascinating character for all sorts of reasons, John Stephenson. This is Afternoon Sport. <laughs> Let's start with the Big Bash. It was huge, wasn't it? Three games in one day, Shane. Oh, Timmy, I am exhausted, not just from Australia Day, but watching three matches. Um, what a lovely way to spend Australia Day, going to and from the pool and watching the cricket. Look, some really interesting results. The six is now to the top of the table, um, had a last ball win, um, and the man that's been in the uh, in the public eye this week is Dan Christian, batted really well, mate. He, uh, I think he peeled off uh, 49 not out, um, Silk with 35. But yeah, the six is 580, beating the Melbourne Stars, six for 177. Then the Melbourne Renegades um, had an absolute ball-tearing win over uh, the Hobart, Hobart Hurricanes, uh, 550 versus nine for 139. Evans took five for 33 off four, career-best figures. Um, but the big the big news out of that match was uh, Finch failed again. Yeah, look, and the big story for me was Marnus Labuschagne scored runs, took wickets, took a great catch, and it almost highlighted... Why didn't they use him in the test on that final day to bowl? Mate, big time. Three for 35, and he scored 46 runs. Um, the Heat are the real smoking now. They're coming into this final series with some real momentum. Lynn once again scoring runs, 51 runs again, um, knocking off the Perth Scorchers. So Heat, seven for 181, defeated the Perth Scorchers, six for 175. Um, Mitchell Marsh, yeah, 54 not out for the Scorchers. But, yeah, it was all Manus Lavashay bowling beautifully, bowling leg spinners and and turning the ball and, and, and bowling guys out. And, um, yeah, he should have bowled a lot more in that test series. That's Sure. Now I know you're a Dragons man, and uh, mm. you look the the old days when I was growing up. It was go to Cumberland Oval or Cogra Oval or North Sydney Oval, and you'd watch all three grades under twenty three. Here come reserve grade. You'd get the big league. Listen to Rex Mossop. That has changed a lot these days in rugby league. Mm. But it looks like, or more than looks like, Volandis and others want to get it back to having three grades so people go along and watch all three grades. Logistically, it looks difficult because you've got a lot of Thursday and Friday night footy, but mm. I, I certainly like the idea of it. Well, it's a real community focus, isn't it? Um, and I know a lot of that. Uh, I remember a few guys from schools around where I grew up were playing in the lower grades and the whole community would go along and watch them. So it's, it's a real good initiative. And I think it's bringing back a little bit of tradition as well. But, yeah, really good memories for me growing up. I, I always I used to go to watch the uh, Illawarra Steelers you know, play at uh, at uh, Wynn Stadium there, mate. And, uh, you know, as I look around the ground, there's a lady. She's eating a pie. And Schiffinelli <laughs> and Pinchinelli and all those guys. It was fantastic to watch. And, um, yeah, good initiative from uh, the NRL. Let's see where that goes. Rod Henniker plays the ball back to Michael Bolton. He gets it to the Moon Brothers. Oh, look at them go. Oh, yeah, they were the days. I remember Wish Fatty call- try. Yeah, I remember Fatty calling it the Wollongong Ocean one day, quite famously. Oh, those were the days. All right, well, from domestic sport to, to looking overseas, Frank Lampard will obviously, when you've got a, 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 like a football team owned by a Russian billionaire, they, they certainly uh, know what they're doing going forward. It looks like they had the coach ready to go when they sacked him. Big time. He was uh, he was playing in the wind, wings. I think, uh, yeah, Abram- Abramovich uh, definitely. He made the, the announcement uh, post Lampard going straight away. So yeah, 
obviously set up, I think, um, and they're, they're looking forward to the future there. But, uh, yep, uh, you don't become a billionaire by making decisions slowly, so uh, that was pretty clearly premeditated. All right, we've got a big show today. Let's get going. Coming up on the show, the owner of the Illawarra Hawks, well, he played the game himself. He's been a huge success in business, Dory Kadahi. Afternoon sport. Well, a real treat today. Uh, the owner of the Illawarra Hawks, he's a guy that's been in basketball a long, long time, played it, uh, worked the towels as a teenager, and uh, he started his own business from the garage of his parents' place. A great Australian story. Dory Kadahi, how are you? Good, Tim. How are you going? Very, very well. Dory, Shane Lee here, mate. Um, great start to the season, 3-0. and Mate, look, yeah, definitely. We can't complain with that, can we? It's uh, something that we said from the start we wanted to, uh, you know, Come out firing and and to have three three and zero on the road, mm. uh, it's it's exciting for us and it's a great start to the guys and a, and a true testament to our team and the culture we're sort of instilling into the club. Because nothing's normal, is it? Absolutely, is nothing is normal down there in Albury to start and tossed about. No one sleeping in their beds, bubbles. Uh, but but doing it as you know, and as Paul Smith said on this program before, doing it as a like the the poor cousin. There, there's no doors opening up from government level for you guys. Yeah, look, you know that's a, you know that's a frustrating thing that we've got with with the National Basketball League. You know, we, you know we're a great sport. You know, we've taken massive roads moving forward as a league itself. You know, we consider the top four leagues around the world um you know you know for us it's, it's vying for a tv deal getting some government support and initiatives um but look unfortunately that hasn't come to fruition at the moment but you know as a league and, and as a club ourselves we just have to sort of uh just you know soldier on and and go with the punches and and something that you know we're proud of as a club and, and as a league you know i give, give a lot of testament to the nbl uh for trying to navigate through this because it's been bloody hard uh, not knowing you know, state borders shutting and closing at you know, any given time. So trying to navigate a, a national league in these circumstances, it, it is very hard. Dory, you've done, a, you've done a fantastic job. My brother, Brett, and I, we grew up uh, in Wollongong, and I remember going out to Beaton Park to the Snake Pit watching the, the then-called the then Illawarra Hawks growing up. Um, was it a big decision dropping the name? Was that part of your decision or was that part of the league's decision? Look, it was part of the league's decision. There. And the issue that, you know, from, from a league perspective, they thought – any new ownership that comes on board, I wanted to give them the, the opportunity to sort of explore all of regional New South Wales and, and, yep. and see what we can do with it. So it was part of it was part of the league request. It was part of the contract that when we do take over the club, it's, it's just the Hawks. Um, and that's something that, that the league had a bigger vision for the team to sort of expand its okay. wings. Um, so look, yeah, um, we're doing everything we can now to get it back. And uh, I believe in the area. Um, I've, you know, I grew up playing against the Hawks uh, basketball yeah. myself. So... Um, I think there's a lot of opportunities that were missed over the last 10 years and, and I'm here trying to make it to rectify it and sort of re-engage with the community. And I, I presume that that is, is just like a normal transition. A lot of people are still going to refer colloquially to the team as the Illawarra Hawks. Look, definitely. And that's, uh, you know, Andrew Gay's, you know, calling the games and calling us the Illawarra Hawks. <laughs> and, you know, so, uh, look, you know, I'm not going to shy away from it. You know, I've always mm. believed and I've always said from, from, from our first press release, uh, that the DNA of the Hawks is the Illawarra and the Snake Pit is the mm. motherland of where the Hawks, you know, the Illawarra team started, whether it was called the Illawarra Hawks or the Wollongong Hawks. Yep. Um, but, you know, for my end, you know, I've seen so many ownerships come and go uh, through this league and, you know, especially the Hawks over the last 10 years. And, and my aim is trying to reconnect and, and, and start from the grassroots. And it's not going to happen within two months or three months or four months, but putting in programs and putting in, putting, putting in the corporate initiatives as well as the, um, 
as well as the community engagements, you know, and, and, and working with kids at a young age and getting out plays to camps. You know, back in the day when the Kings were successful, back in the early 90s when every other club was failing, they were very rigorously going through to camps and school kids and the players didn't like it, but he put bums on seats and I was selling out games from day one. Um, I know the Swans followed suit and every club that has succeeded in this in any sport has always followed suit in terms of, you know, connecting with the community and connecting with the grassroots. And that's something that I really want to re-engage back in that Illawarra community. Mate, are you doing that? I noticed you uh, You did a, even did a uh, tour of the Steelworks the other day. My, my old man was a metallurgist there for many years and, and it's a big it's a big part of Wollongong in the area. It's a it's a very um, um, ethnic area and very, very proud of that. Um, but it's good to see you really get involved with the community because um, sport, particularly on the South Coast, is a, is a major part of people's lives. It, look, it is. You know, uh, seeing that... You know, uh, the Steelworks was amazing how, how big it was. I, I yeah. thought that took us down there for me, with me and Brian Gorge. And I just couldn't believe how big that, that um, you know, that Steelworks is. So, yeah. look, from my end, you know, I'm a, I'm a blue-collar worker. I started with nothing. So I, I know what hardship is and I know what, what hard work is. It's something that I've started my business. Um, and my journey is the same as, as, as a lot of people in the uh, Wollongong, Illawarra region. So I understand it, and it's all about connecting and, and something that I, you know, if you're going to invest into something, you've got to go in and head first and really dig your feet into the ground and, and, and have a good crack at it. Uh, you can't be one foot in and one foot out. Well, the hard, the hard thing is getting back there. And look, I've been down there, done plenty of stories. It's, it's quite a complex, uh, both the basketball backing on to the stadium there. Uh, where are you guys at? Uh, from a... From a um, from a stadium perspective, or oh, from from basically uh, being nomads at the moment to, to sort of being able to get back to some sort of level of normality. Uh, look, you know, at the moment our team is is currently in Cairns, so I don't think I don't think there's going to be any normality this season. To be quite honest, it's it's <laughs> going to be one of those years that you uh you just have to roll roll with it day by day. So we're we're hoping to get back after our Cairns game on Thursday night and get back into Wollongong on on Friday morning, and then we're on the road again against uh, South East Melbourne. And then the way that the schedule is rolling right now, it's a week by week or a two week uh, rolling calendar. So uh, we, we don't know what's happening six, seven weeks in advance. So um, for us, normality is a bit hard, uh, but you know, the team have embraced it and being away since Boxing Day up in Aubrey and Cairns, um, they're enjoying it, I think. And, and, and from Brian's words, you know, we take this as a boot camp and, and uh, we've got a young side. So for them and for us to be able to pack our bags and sort of get on the road, is a lot easier because we've got minimal things to worry about and, and leaving behind. So um, we're embracing this challenge this year, and I think the team that that has the right mindset and that can adapt to these situations this year will win a lot of games and probably win the title. I agree with that. Um, and you mentioned Brian a few times, Brian Gorge, and um, fantastic signing for the Hawks. Uh, he Look, is he the is, exceptional uh, coach. You know, Brian and Brian and myself go way back. He's, he's one of my closest friends in the basketball circles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I won't talk too much about our history, but you know, obviously, you know, when I owned the Kings when I was thirty-two, Brian was my coach, and we built up a very, very strong relationship. It was a bloody tough time too. Just so sorry to interrupt. I mean, I tell you what, you had a baptism of fire. That's why I think it's such a great thing you got back <laughs> yeah, look, in. Yeah, definitely. You know, that that era uh, when when we went in game five against the Tigers and lost the grand final. Um, you know, we had the, we, our partner, you know, my partner was a firepower guy and, mm. and, you know, it was a destructive year off the court and, and we kept it so far out of the media's attention that um, no one knew what we were going through. Um, you know, I've written a book and I've got a whole chapter on that, on that part of my life and between me and Gorge and what we went through, with, you know, with, with the team. Um, but, you know, what, for, 
for me, you know, true friendships uh, grow in tough times. And, and we had probably the toughest time in both our careers. Me being at 32, being very young and wet behind the ears and Gorge and being experienced, you know, we, we, we sort of gravitated together and I was working with them uh, daily on that. So when when game five finished and we knew that the, that the, that the team was going to fold because we just it was just no way it was out of this and we tried to save it thereafter. Um, you know, I said to him, if I ever come back uh, owning a team, you're going to coach, you're going to coach, coach my team. And, and we laughed about it walking out of the entertainment center down in, down in the city. And, you know, for 11 years, I have an office in China and he's been coaching in China for 11 years. And every time I catch up with him, you know, we reminisce and talk about the good old days and, you know, let's do it together again. Whenever you're ready, let me know I'm coming back with you. And every club has been trying to bring Gorgian back for over 11 years. And and um, funny enough that, you know, I ring up Gorge, I go, mate, it's going to happen. He goes, what? Okay. I go, well, mate, <laughs> just be ready because you promised him we're going to do it together. And uh, he goes, Shit, are you serious? I go, mate, yeah. <laughs> and, and, um, but the funny thing is, a year a, a year before that date, we were down at Kooji Pavilion. It was me, Gorge, and his wife, and we're having a drink and, and, and a feed. And we're having, and we always reminisce. And I had a bit of a joke. I go, you know what? I want to buy the Hawks, and let's, and, and you're going to coach, and let's do this together, and let's build this club up. Because let's do it. And this was when the Hawks had no issues, and there was nothing sort of uh, transpiring that he was going to go under or anything like that. And then a year later, the day that we signed him, which was I think June twenty second, on my Facebook post pops up a photo of me and Gorge on this date. Oh wow! Uh, so it was like literally a year to that a year to that date when we announced him was the date that we talked about it at Kuji. Okay. So I think it's meant to be. Um, and, and fortunately enough, he did uh, come on board. You know, it was a lot of twisting and and uh, sort of. Uh, I think he had a bit of cold feet getting back into the NBL, uh, mm-hmm. but you know, I'm glad that I've got him over the line. I, I would say it's probably the best signing in this year's um, NBL. NBL season. I agree, mate. Talk, talk about the team just quickly. Um, Justin, Justin Simon, mate, he seems to have, have the X factor, doesn't he? Mate, look, you know what? He is. You know, we, we brought in Justin knowing that he's a, de- a defensive juggernaut and that yep. was the purpose of bringing, me, bringing him in. You know, we didn't, we didn't focus too much on his offensive, uh, offensive scoring. Uh, mm. You know, we, we know that come, that's up and down, but geez, the first three games is definitely uh, put in a, 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 a tremendous spark on, an, um, you know, on the offensive and defensive. And, uh, you know, it, I think we've got, you know, we've, we've put a great team together and we've got a great deep roster. And, you know, at any given night, any one of our 10 players can step up. And and the scary thing is, you know, we're missing our two marquees, you know, between, you know, Dang Adil and Cam mm. uh, Besto. Mm. And uh, Dang Adil will be coming in this Thursday night. You know, he's an ex-Cleveland Cavalier and played with the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, as well, so um, you know we're, we're still we're we're very deep, and you know once we get our, our you know our runs going, uh, we're going to be very hard to stop. Now you're still you're still a young man, relatively. You've done hugely uh, successful uh, business and 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 basketball. You started as I mentioned at the start with toweling the floors. Finally, do you, do you pinch yourself sometimes, Dory? I know it comes with a lot of hard work and perspiration and those meetings and those chats with Brian at Coogee. Let's let's float this thing. But to to actually have it come to life in the manner in which it is, and it sounds like uh, you know, in contrast to what happened at the Kings, uh, there's a trajectory here going up. Look, yeah. Look, you know, do I pinch myself? Yeah, I, I do. Um, you know, watching our, our first game on TV at home by myself while the team's up in Cairns, I'm like, you know, it, it was definitely uh, surreal. Uh, you know, it's a lot of hard work. You know, I've got two great partners, uh, you know, within my organisation that are based in the US. So a lot of it is sort of on my on my, on my my shoulders doing the day-to-day stuff here. But, 
Look, you know, it's a passion. I love it. Uh, the sport's given me so much growing up. Uh, you know, it taught me a lot about discipline, focus, teamwork, visualization. And, 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 you know, for me, giving back to the sport and being in a position that I'm fortunate enough that I can test my abilities again and, and seeing what we can do with this club um, is exciting. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunities and potential. I think the league has come a long way from when it was 10, 11 years ago to where, where we are now. Um, but look, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate, I'm grateful. I never take anything for granted. Um, it all comes with hard work and, and just focusing on on just, you know, just keeping things ground and just sort of being, you know, just for me, it's all about personality and, and connecting with people and, and just being nice and, and you know, mm. just follow those basic things. And, and people are going to want to jump on board and support what you do. Um, one thing I hate is, is arrogance and, and people being cocky with, you know, with what they've achieved. I've always been humble and grounded and that comes down to family values and how I've been brought up and, and something that's never going to change irrespective of what I do in life from a personal to a business sense. Dory, that's really refreshing to hear, mate. I really appreciate you coming on the show and um, and well done once again getting the Hawks back up and running because, as I said at the start, mate, I had some fantastic memories as a kid going out to Beaton Park to the snake pit and stopping my feet on the boards yelling defense, mate. So it was, a, it was some great nights out. So well done. Thanks, mate. Well, mate, we'd love to get you guys down there. So uh, let me know when you guys are free. We'll get you down to our next home game. Done. Love to, mate. Love it, Dory. Absolutely love it, my friend. And uh, we both got Lebanese heritage. We'll go and have a, a lovely big plate of kusa and uh, enjoy it together. Thanks, brother. <laughs> Thanks, Jimmy. I appreciate it, bro. See you, boys. Coming up on the show, he medaled at World Championships, Olympics, Commonwealth Games, and he, and he does wrap himself, doesn't he? John Stephenson coming up. Stump to Stump is Australia's newest and most interactive cricket platform for all cricket fans, players and clubs to share stories, match results, memories and experiences. Stumptostump.com All right, we love this time. I tell you what, he's a, he's a character. He almost jumps, he almost jumps out of the microphone. He's already laughing. John Stephenson, how are you? Timmy Gillen, Shane, how are you boys? Come on, man. Hey, how glorious was our Australia day? It's a day of mourning for a lot, um, but uh, but yeah, look, it's good to uh, it's good to us to celebrate the great country that we live in and how and how how lucky we are to have such geographically. How what a beautiful country it is. So, lot to go, lot to learn still for everybody, but um, but yeah, what a, what a nice day. Very hot in Sydney, and I uh, thoroughly enjoy myself. That's why I'm laughing and happy today, because last time I was very upset, so now I'm very happy. Yeah, you, had, you had the pips. I was going to say, it's, it is fantastic day, and, and well said, Johnny, but uh, a guy who's not probably enjoying himself as much at the moment is Novak Dokovic. We had uh, Sam Groth on the show yesterday. Um, he had a fair opinion on him, but uh, Paul Novak's copying it a bit. What are your thoughts on him? Well, you know, anytime you, you, you stand up for something or you have a stand up for your own beliefs, you're going to have people that are going to detract and come at you on an angle. You know, I, I think Novak's uh, statements and how he's gone about it um, from what I read from a media standpoint has been taken co- totally out of context because like, we, we need we need a story right we need to have this protagonist that's out there saying that you know this quarantine is full of s right but I do I, I, I like speaking listening to Sam Groth yesterday and 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 playing sport myself the, the the public persona of an athlete compared to how they really are sometimes can be completely two different things and and mm. by the sounds of it what, what, what like what we hear from Nick Kyrgios is that he's 
he sort of reckons that Novak's a bit of a tool bag. Well, that's well, that's the thing, John. This is coming. This is coming. This is not coming from any mainstream media just to pile on Novak Djokovic. Nick Kyrgios is calling him a tool, double downing on it. You've got Jim Courier over to the left saying, oh, come on, guys, former world number one. He's been taken out of context. Sam Gross coming on our show saying, nah, come off it. He's got to realise that he's there in Adelaide sipping on a Barossa and Shiraz giving advice in Melbourne so he shouldn't do it. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting yarn. Well, it is, but I think everyone's just having their crack. You know, I, I, maybe, look, I remember Novak playing, and, and I could be completely wrong, because I'm just really a couch tennis lover, right? But Novak was a real firebrand, man. Then all of a sudden, you know, he went through this transition period where he must have a very, very good management team because it completely changed his public persona to be, you know, the holier-than-thou tennis player that was just out for everybody and trying to do the best for tennis. And I, I was like, maybe that's maturity. Maybe he has changed. But, I, I, you know, being in the world of sport, I think he had a very good management team that realized that the path he was going on commercially wasn't the best. And uh, and maybe this is what Sam and, and, and Nick are saying, saying behind the scenes, this guy's a tool. Um, and every, all this is for show. But I still think this is all taken out of context. I think he maybe did feel guilty. He did say in a report that, look, I'm out here in Adelaide. I'm living comfortable. I'm standing up for the ones that aren't as, you know, affluent as what I am in, in the world of tennis and have the money and the, and the means to do this. And I do remember when I was when I was um, running, I, I when I got to a stage where I was doing well, um, I remembered the time when I wasn't doing well and, and sort of, you know, the, 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 the sort of the crappy sort of parts of athletics where you want to change when you have a voice. So mm. I admire him for standing up and saying something, but this COVID thing is happening worldwide. There's not much he can really do. And it, unfortunately, it sounded like the, 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 the advice he was giving or the suggestions giving this more sounded like like a, a spoiled child complaining from his ivory tower. Johnny, uh, Conor McGregor, lots happening with him. Well, look, for those that took my advice on the bets, it would be very rich on this Wednesday. Um, Dustin Poirier, I did say we'll get him out in round four and five. Um, he did it earlier than what I expected. Uh, look, I was a bit sad for Connor. I said this in, in our last interview. When you when you got all, the, when you're coming off a hundred foot plus yacht, um, jumping in your Rolls Royce with a million dollar watch in your hand, I don't know how you can jump in an hexagon and uh, and uh, and and try and uh, and try and scrap. I I, mm. I don't understand that I uh, I get he's he loves the 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 mixed martial arts game he, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's not only a fan of it but he's a purist he loves it um, but there comes a point in time when you just become soft you know like when you yeah. jump in that ring and then um, I, I think we kind of saw that. I don't want to. I don't want to jump to conclusions and say that's a wrap for Connor, um, but I think it's going to be. He had this mystique mm. where if you got hit by him, you were going down. Yeah. Um, he, he hit Justin Poirier really, really hard a few times, and Justin actually like ate the shot. So um, now other fighters fighting him, that mystique's gone, right? So um, he showed yeah. another weakness in his base and his stance, the way he stands. Um, he got his left, he got his right leg just absolutely chopped down. And that's what, that's what ended the fight. It wasn't a knockdown. It was actually, he couldn't stand on that foot. When he got hit, he fell down. Mm. And then obviously D- Dustin went to work. So, um, y- you know, that's another weakness in his game because he got such a wide base to get those shots off. So, you know, we know he struggles wrestling. We know his gas tank's questionable. And now um, his stance, if he doesn't stand in that stance and stay loose and flowy, he potentially can get chopped. Interesting 
you mention the boat and the, the watch and the lifestyle and the money because there has been a parallel made to Rocky Balboa when Apollo Creed said, you got civilised, that's your problem, you got civilised. That, 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 has, that has been spoken about. Now, now, what about Jake Paul? What about Jake Paul? What's going on there? <laughs> you know, you're quite right. But then you got Jake Paul, uh, Tim, you know, who is very civilised, YouTube sensation, making millions of dollars off of YouTube. Um uh, called out Conor McGregor. He's pretty much called out. He famously fought Nate Robinson's ex-NBA basketball star. Absolutely iced him. If you're on Instagram, you would have seen the meme going around of Nate Robinson having a good old snooze on the canvas. So, you know, now Jake Paul's feeling himself. He's feeling good. He called out Conor McGregor, obviously chasing those millions of dollars. Um, didn't get that fight. Uh, and, and now he's fighting Ben Askren, who... Ben Askren is, is a, another protagonist in the MMA world who is out there and he's a, he's a colourful guy, like in the sense of uh, he's got he's got great banter, great chat. He's really good um, at sort of stirring up his opponents. Um, and Jake Paul believes he can take him on and beat him. Now, Ben Askren, he's a, he was a very, very good college wrestler. When he came into the UFC, they felt that he was going to be the next UFC champion because his wrestling was on point. There was a, there was a time where they thought, well, Ben Askren and Khabib could possibly fight at a heavier weight. But um, but then he got he got knocked out by Jose Masvidal um, spectacularly with a one-punch knockout, and that sort of really derailed his career. So now with Jake Paul, um, they've been going back and forth on, on through through all so different social medias and YouTubes, um, sort of giving it to each other. I, I this is actually I'm not listen. I'm not a massive fan of these like sort of they're not really they're not professional professional fights like we seen back in the day um, with your you know your Mayweather's and your Oscar De La Hoya's. Yes, this guy's a YouTube star. Yes, this guy's from MMA. They're coming in to box. But there's something about the entertainment factor about this, which is still bloody cool, you know. And and as much as I'm a fighting purist and I love fighting for what it is, those that hate on this are just and you don't understand entertainment or sport. What sport actually provides entertainment? Then you need to really get a life. I, I think this is going to be a fun fight. I think it's it's interesting because I don't think Ben Ashkin has the best of hands. Um, I think Jake Paul's getting better. So I do think as a fight, this is a fair matchup and and should be watched. John, talking about civilized, let's talk about some athletics, okay? We've got uh, the Olympics going ahead. Um, any lead-up meets happening uh, to talk about? Oh, yes. Like, oh, man. Haven't <laughs> you got the good question? Yeah. Uh, yeah, no. Last night we saw the annual Zatopec meet, which is our biggest distance meet uh, for the year, take place in Melbourne. Um, and and every year it's it's such a cool meet uh, in the sense of we see our best distance runners in Australia Um embark on, on trying to get Olympic qualifiers. And, and yesterday we saw Ben Robinson take out the, the 10K. Um, he has won this event before. He ran 28 minutes dead, 0.25, which is really great for Ben. And, and seeing Jack Rayner, who I think he really has a future in a marathon, half marathon, marathon, coming in second, running 28 minutes and 13. But the, the performance of the night for me, which which we don't often talk about in athletics, is is our power athletes. And, and we saw Jared Clifford break his 1,500-meter T12 world record for the third time um he, he owned this world record before um but it's just it's just spectacular you know this guy's breaking world records um it's great to see what tennis australia and dylan olcott and how much they celebrate all these wins i think he's fantastic and in athletics we've got to really do a lot better in celebrating what our para athletes do because we have some of the best para athletes in the world and for him to break a world record and he's listen the time he ran is three minutes 42 you know i mean <laughs> that you you'll watch a track meet in europe 
be won in three minutes, 42, you know? Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's, it, this is not slow. You know what I mean? This guy is a beast, you know? So, yeah. um, and he's, and he, this is the third time he's broken world record. So, um, big congratulations to Jared. Um, as you've seen, even though Olympic games, a big question mark around our Australian athletes are still going ahead and making it happen. Yeah. I, I think they'll go ahead. I really do. And, and there's so many great inspirational stories, John, Tim, never rush me, Tim, because at the end of the day, well, I'm trying to rush you because I know you've got to go to get a haircut, but go. <laughs> a young 21-year-old girl who was who ran a very speedy time as well in the 10K yesterday. Ran 30 minutes 39. She's, her name is Rose Davies, and she look. She is the future. She's I mean, she's she's gone from being 50th all-time Australian in the 10K um, to now being the seventh Australian t- fastest time for an Australian over 10K ever. So I had to give her a mention. It's fantastic by by Miss Davies, and uh, I'm sure we'll see more of her. Well, Johnny, mate, you look good. You sound good. Thanks for coming on the show, mate. It's always a pleasure, buddy. Shane, you're such a gentleman. Can you please work on my mate, please? Thank you very much. The best thing is you come to the table with no ego. <laughs> All right, boys. See you. See you. Hey, Tim, hope you have a better day, mate. Take care, boys. See you. That's it for Afternoon Sport. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Hit subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss it. A big thank you goes to our guests today, Dory Kadahi and John Stephenson. Thank you also, Shano Spartan Sports. SpartanSportsHQ.com. And, of course, the king. We wouldn't be here without him, the producer of uh, this podcast and so many others, Dan McHugh. We'll see you tomorrow.